Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Tomorrow marks the 30th anniversary of The Dennis Miller Show, which premiered on January 20th, 1992. I spoke with Miller in 2018 about his prolific career as a comedian and political commentator, hilariously hosting Weekend Update on SNL, briefly broadcasting Monday Night Football, and even starring across David Spade and Joe Dirt. We are here with the one and only Dennis Miller, who's expanding his Podcast One show, The Dennis Miller Option, uh, with a second weekly episode. Uh, That's exciting. Thanks for joining us, sir. Thank you, young Jason. I uh, started it, uh, let's see, maybe, I think I've done three or four, and uh, we found out that when you're doing uh, free association about the events of the world, it is an eternity to take a week off from said world, because stuff happens quickly now, my friend. So we moved up to two a week. <laughs> I know you used to feel much more frequently than that on your radio shows, oh. <laughs> like three hours every day. So Sisyphean task. Sisyphus. I, uh, I did eight years of three hours a day, and while I enjoyed it immensely, I noticed towards the end that I was just fried. You know what I mean? I was being too curt on the air with callers and stuff like that, and I thought, Jesus, you know, I, I like to have a bit of an ad- attitude, but I'd say I'm officially being snippy here. And I thought, I guess I was just after eight years, three hours a day, five days a week, I was just a little fried. How is uh, podcasting a little different there for you? So easy comparatively, Jason. You go on, they say to you, well, talk to you, want to quit. You know, we some people do a half hour, some 45. I find that I just say hi and probably make it to an hour and ten and it seems so easy comparatively, uh, you know, and once again, you can pre-tape a podcast if you're going to be out of town. And uh, Well, I don't have to tell you, it sounds like I don't know how frequently you as the entertainment editor are on the air, but <laughs> once you have that three-hour-a-day show, you're anchored, you know, until you get a week off. It's not like you can, you kind of get off, and then you have your lunch, and then you start thinking, well, what do I talk about in the morning? And then you go to bed because you get get up at six, and it's pretty all-encompassing. So I find the podcast infinitely, infinitely easier. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's talk in, as if you know maybe some listeners that haven't downloaded your podcast yet. I know it launched April twenty fifth. Who are some of the your favorite guests you've had so far, and who else we got coming up? Well, April twenty fifth was a sports one I tried, yep. and uh, after maybe around ten of those, I just found out that people were sending me emails saying, "Listen, I, I like listening to you. I missed the radio show, but I don't like sports." So I just said to the guy in charge, I said, we got to just go to a generic one. If we get to sports periodically, fine. If we don't, fine. We can talk about the events of the world. Um, and the three that I've done of a more generic nature, I've only had one guest so far. That's uh, Carvey. 
and I don't know, Dana Carvey on any format, uh, along with Marty Short probably, is the easiest interview you do in your life. So. <laughs> you just sit back and let him chop broccoli. Yeah, at the beginning, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you say, hi, Dana, how are you? And then he, at around 15 of his famous friends, uh, he does the voices of, talk for an hour, and then you go, thanks, Dana, goodbye. <laughs> you so, just shut your mic off. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, somebody, not wake me, I mean, I'm just saying you can pretty much uh, zone out if you want, because Dana knows exactly how to kill. <laughs> I love it. I'm always curious when I talk to I've talked to different, you know, comedians and also, you know, um hosts like yourself over the years and I'm always curious their their interview style. I mean, we had Larry King in. He said he never prepared a question. Anderson Cooper said he always prepared a question. Dick Cavett kind of is more, I guess, down the middle. So what what's what's your style? Do you do you usually have questions prepared? Um, let me see. I I would lean more towards the Larry thing. I think a lot of these interviews are Let's face facts. It's uh, Dick Cavett. Maybe if he's doing an hour show, has to prepare a little more. Uh, but you know, with commercials and that, if you do an hour show, you're talking about forty minutes, and usually you have two guests on a forty minute show, and it's pretty easy to say hi, be nice to people. What are you doing? And then ask him a couple distaff questions, then go into the rap and fill twenty minutes. So I, I wouldn't overthink it too much. I, I think then it turns into a bit of a I don't know. It looks so unrelaxed that people can't immerse themselves in the conversation of it. Right. It should be a conversation. It shouldn't be a forced bang, bang, bang. Here's what I was planning to ask you. Um, yeah, the only thing I would say is when I do watch interviews who bother me, I think, what is the what is the cross, the uh, through, through line here that bothers me? I don't like it when I can hear them kind of say, you know, trying to get in. Like, I don't know if you can hear the noise I'm making, but the guest is answering the question they ask, and you can hear them go, I, you know, and, and you're thinking, why don't you just let them finish? You've asked them something. I don't like it when the host tries to get immediately back in and help them with their answer. I, so I think Larry was great at that. You know what I mean? Larry would ask you a question, and then until you got boring, he'd let you run with it. Exactly. Let them finish their thought and then jump back in. When, do you prefer uh, radio podcasts? And here, here at WTOP, you know, we're the, we're the radio station in D.C. And I always love it because it's a bit of theater of the mind. That and, uh, you know, you don't have to dress up every day. But in terms of you used to do HBO, you know, Dennis Miller Live and you had the Dennis Miller Show. Did you prefer getting all spruced up for the camera or do you like the, the radio theater of the mind better? Well, I would say... Um on the radio, I was in a bathrobe when I did it, and on HBO, I was in a pair of jeans with a bathrobe over the jeans, so it wasn't <laughs> much of a difference. No, I mean, I look back on the HBO show, I remember I left a navy blue sport coat at the show. I did around 215 of them. I had a pair of blue jeans that I'd wear in, and I'd interchange the shirts, but out of the 215 shows, I'd have to guess, and yes, I did get a dry clean period. <laughs> I probably wore that navy blue jacket for at least 150 of them. So it wasn't exactly a Noel Coward play when I was doing TV. But I must admit, being in your own home and wearing a bathrobe down the hall to work was the optimum. So bathrobes and the jeans, that's the trick. Yes, that was, uh, <laughs> that, that's my formal look. I love it. You mentioned Dana Carvey, so i got to ask you about the SNL days. Um, you were, dare say, my favorite of the Weekend Update hosts. You know, you kind of had to bring it back from the Chevy Chase, Jane Curtin, older days. Um, and you've had a lot of guys come after you since. Um, uh, how much fun was doing that? And uh, who, who do you think uh, nailed it the most in your footsteps? You know, was it Norm MacDonald or Michael Che? It's a, it's a great little segment on there. Um, listen, 
that what a great gig. And I tried to stay out of the other things because I knew, you know, I, I don't want to make too much of acting. I think I could have done a passable job. But with guys like Phil and Lovitz and Mike Myers and Dana, you were always going to sort of be the third or fourth lead in the sketch, understandably. Um, so the price for that was you had to be there to block it. And sometimes blocking a sketch is three hours. So I used to try to stay out of sketches and just put it all into Weekend Update. I'd write the jokes, I'd sit there, and I remember thinking, just get a good rock and roll song to start it with, go out there and you know swing as hard as you can for 10 minutes. I felt like a road, rodeo rider. And then get out of there and don't show up in other things. And then people will say, well, I, I dug him on update and I didn't see him flopping anything else. Since I've left, um, I think Norm's a genius and uh, I uh, think Tina Fey's great. But I'd have to say, just because he's my friend and I know him, I'd have to say Norman. Awesome. Do you stay in touch with any of those guys? Obviously, you mentioned Dana's come on your show, but uh, any of the other of the cast back then, do you ever keep in touch with those guys? I talked to Norm a couple times in the last month, but there are times, you know, uh, you, you, you'll go a year without hearing from Norm. I talked to Lovitz, uh, Spade, uh, mostly Carby. That's a few times a week. And uh, those are my, uh, listen, I had many dear friends on the show, but those are the ones I see the most. That's awesome. You mentioned David Spade. I got, I can't let you out of here without talking about Joe Dirt. One of the more underrated little comedies of the last 15. I know some people, I guess it, they just missed the genius of it. I thought it was great, and your spot on there was one of the most memorable parts of the movie, you and Spade. But uh, do you still get people coming up to you saying, you know, quoting that movie, I'm new, I don't know what to do, all that stuff? I think it was the first time my kids knew I was in show business. <laughs> I was up to that point. What do you do, Dad? Are you... You work, are you an electrician? <laughs> they had never seen any of my stuff, but Joe Dirt, they were genuinely impressed by. When we used to get new cast members at Saturday Night Live, my job was to act like Lou Gossett Jr. in an officer and a gentleman, the drill instructor, where I'd go in and tear them all a new one. And I remember uh, literally going into a room once when we had hired new cast. They were all sharing an office. I remember being David Spade, Rob Schneider, Chris Farley, uh, Adam Sandler, and um, somebody else in there that I'm... Oh, um, I said rock. So, and, and Adam Sandler. So there's five of them. Uh, and I go in and, you know, I would slap them around, give them a nickname, rough them up a little, tell them they had no career shot. And then I realized years later as I look back, they all gone by me at the speed of light and made billions of dollars in box office. But Dana, or David called me on Joe Dirt and he said, listen, uh, I'm doing this movie about a kid in a mullet who gets hit with a meteorite, but it turns out to be a turd. And I said, Dave, not interested. I love you, but I'm not interested. And he said, well, I only need you for two days. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, just slap me around like he used to slap us around at SNL. I said, well, listen, I'll come in for one day. So I shot my entire part. It was just me and Spade in a fake radio studio and just me ad-libbing and, you know, pretending that the new kid on Saturday Night Live was Joe Dirt and slapping him around. So it was fun. It's a great memory now. And, you know, like I said, I love David like a little brother. <laughs> That's no meteor. It's a giant frozen chunk of poopy. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Um, you've been generous with your time. Before you go, I got to ask you about the Monday Night Football days. I mean, mm -hmm. was that at least? I know it was probably more short lived than than you would have liked, but was that at least a blast to do that? I know. Uh, you know, we we have Tony Kornheiser here in town. He had a little stint after you. And uh, why is it such a challenging gig? And why was it also you know a fun little uh, detour for you? 
Well, listen, I did two years. I think Tony did three. I, I would give us this. I think O.J. did one. <laughs> so we were up on a juice. Um, I remember John Madden left Fox, and I called Dan Fouts and said, we're going to get fired this afternoon. He said, but we're picked up for a third year. And I said, I don't care. Madden hasn't left Fox to sit at home in the Dakota on the Upper West Side and drink Frappuccinos with his old lady all day. I guarantee he's coming here. So we got fired that afternoon, and guess what? I would have fired me, too. Uh, it's John Madden. He's the greatest color announcer who ever did it. Now Michaels is the greatest play-by-play, and they had a super team there. As a matter of fact, if I'm ever in L.A. on any given night and I want to do stand-up comedy and I go into the improv and John Madden's on stage, they better haul his ass off, too. That's the way the world works. But my two years there, when I look back on it, I had fun. I was in the middle of a cultural fracas. It seemed like I'd say around... 55% of the country hated my guts and 45 liked me. But you know what? Once you, as you get a little older, you can't wake up every morning and start cruising the Internet to, see, to, to find yourself worth. I had fun. I, you know, for them to offer me Monday Night Football, I said, sure, I'm going to try this. And uh, I, I can't look back and say, oh, it was devastating. I wasn't. When they whack you, they whack you. It's showbiz. Move on. Yeah, do you sort of apply that, you know, uh, you can't please everybody mentality to, especially when you're talking politics these days? I mean, it, it's everyone's so polarized. I feel like you just got to say your opinion and, and let it be. Don't, don't yeah, worry about half it. the country's going to hate you either way. Listen, I, I, nobody wants to sit down and go over my uh, checklist. You know, I'm socially liberal, but conservatives uh, don't like that. And I'm fiscally conservative and the war on terror, I'm conservative. And liberals don't want to know about that. You're always going to piss somebody off. All I know is uh, I've been lucky enough for 35 years that I've had a gig in a very, uh, very risky, tricky business. So, you know, like you're right. Once you're in your mid 60s, if you're waking up, go. What do the what do strangers think of me? You've missed the point. I, I do what I can. I'm doing the best I can. Some people hate it. Some people like it. What are you going to do? <laughs> awesome. Well, hopefully more people love than hate the new Dennis Miller option, <laughs> the podcast. Good uh, for you. <laughs> the podcast is half full. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. You've been more than generous with your time. All right, brother. I appreciate your time. Have a good one. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.